0: Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and this week here at New Life Church, we've been hosting uh, the 24-7 Prayer USA National Gathering. We have hundreds of leaders from across the country. Uh, gathered together to talk about prayer, to seek the face of God together, to be inspired again to bring prayer into their churches. And one of our guest speakers this week is a guy that we had on the podcast uh, earlier this year, Frederick Christian Bauerschmidt. We know him as Fritz. He's the author of the book, uh, The Love That Is God. And because he was in town, we just thought we cannot waste this opportunity to sit down with him and have a conversation with this man of God. Fritz is 62 years old. Now he's been a Christian for over 40 years and has been praying for over 40 years. And we thought we just got to talk with him. So Daniel Grothy and I sit down with Fritz and have a wide ranging interview on all manner of subjects related to prayer. One of my favorite conversations that we've ever had on the podcast. And I'm not just saying that. And so without any further commentary from me, uh, here's to the interview.
1: here we are today on this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, and we've got Dr. Fritz Bauer-Schmidt, the man, the myth, <laughs> the Catholic theologian legend. That's right. And we're here at the 24-7 prayer national conference that we've been hosting this week. And doctor Bauerschmidt gave a lecture this morning. And so we figured while we had him here, we might as well sit down and talk about prayer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, prayer, I think growing up, a lot of people think that it's sort of God's busy work. Like mm-hmm. he created man and woman in his own image and he blessed them and sent them into the garden. He's like, oh, shoot, what are we gonna have them do? <laughs> well, let's <laughs> fill up part of their day with prayer right. and evangelicals say, well, pick an hour. And But now what? It's sort of like divine busy work. Mm. But, but what is prayer, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bowersmith? When you think about prayer, how do you talk to the layman about prayer?
2: Well, I suppose I think about a traditional Catholic definition, you know, straight out of the catechism is prayers, is raising the the mind and the heart to God. Mm. Um, and I like that definition partly because it's vague, right? Mm. It, it doesn't specify too much. It yeah. leaves room for all sorts of different kinds of things you might do. Um, I also like that it includes both the mind and the heart, yeah. right? Because I think with prayer, you can either think... Well, it's just a matter of the mind, and then that's maybe kind of like the divine busy work, right? Yeah, okay, I've got to spend an hour thinking about God, <laughs> to coming up with things to ask God for, or right. thank God for, or whatever. Um, or you can think it's it's completely unrelated to the mind, right. that it's just about the feels, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right? And so I like the, that that definition includes both the mind and the heart, mm-hmm. um, because we are thinking beings and are and that's part of the way in which we're in the image of God right? mm. and so i think it's a way of of saying that yes i mean prayer is a is a human act right yeah. it's a us as thinking beings but it's also uh, as john henry newman put it you know heart speaks to heart Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that th- there's that affective element mm-hmm. of it as well
0: what do you think is the relationship between prayer and our spiritual life in general and i i'm getting at something by asking that i do think In all of my years of preaching on this and teaching on it, experiencing prayer, helping people develop a prayer life, sometimes I do think that the way that we think about prayer is that it's like one of the things that happens inside of a total relationship with God. Uh, That notion of prayer, for me anyway, has changed over the years. I'm curious how you would articulate the relationship between prayer and a person's total experience of God.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Back in the third century, Origin of Alexandria wrote a little treatise called On Prayer, mm-hmm. um, and there he makes the distinction because he's wondering about that passage inscription. You know, pray always. Yeah. a lot of you know Christians over the years have pondered, well, what what exactly does that mean? And so he makes the distinction between what we ordinarily call prayer, which is what we say, maybe saying your prayers mm-hmm. or you know a- attending the liturgy or attending an act of worship. And then what he calls the true prayer, which is the entire life of the saint Mm -hmm. right, or the holy person, right? And he says, obviously, what we ordinarily call prayer, you couldn't do at all times, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But if you think of the total life of the holy person as itself a prayer, Mm -hmm. as as kind of a whole life in which the mind and the heart are lifted up to God... Well, then you can pray at all times. Mm-hmm. So I would say, in some ways, prayer is simply is the spiritual life. Yeah. But the spiritual life in in its entire breadth, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, that's that's always sort of aspirational, right? I mean, yeah. some some of us, the best we can do is what Origen calls the ordinary sense of prayer.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right?
2: But but it's almost like you have to have the ordinary sense of praying to be able to get to that place. Exactly, exactly. And he he makes that very clear. And he says, and he in this he discusses things like, well, which direction should you face when you pray? What posture <laughs> should you assume when you pray? What words should you use when you pray? And then he's got a long kind of discussion of the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. and all that that means. And um, so uh, the ordinary kind of prayer is like super important. Yes. Right. Uh, But it can't be the whole of prayer.
0: Right, right. Right. Yeah, that we just check in for 15 minutes in the morning and then check check back out. Okay, I got a question on this, because I love that definition, um, lifting the mind and the heart to God. I think that's beautiful. What role does asking for things play in your definition and understanding of prayer? Because surely it is thinking right thoughts about God and communing with God in that way, and surely it's also cultivating right affections. But what about the way that people normally think about prayer, which is, I think, when people normally think about prayer, mostly what they're thinking about is like, help. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) What what
2: role does that play? Uh, Yeah, my thinking on this, uh, as on many things, has been shaped in large part by Thomas Aquinas, because he is very very big on actually asking for things in prayer. Hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of mistakes we can make. One, we can think that the entire life of prayer is simply asking God for stuff, mm-hmm. right? And and I think most of us would say, well, that clearly that's not right. You know, we want to, we've got to thank God, we've got to meditate, we've got to, you know. But I think there's a kind of an opposite, more subtle error, which is to think that asking there's something wrong with asking God for stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, aquinas is like no you should ask god for what you want mm-hmm. but he calls he he calls prayer the interpreter of desire mm. yeah. and and i mm-hmm. find you know i've got to be honest with god in my prayer right mm. if i really want like somebody to go away and leave me alone <laughs> i have got to ask god god make this person go away and leave me alone <laughs> now if i'm trying to as it were censor myself as if you could censor your your right. thoughts from God, but if I try and censor myself, I'm kind of engaged in a in a certain kind of dishonesty. But yep. also, I it doesn't really make me look at that desire. Right. So this idea of prayer is the interpreter of desire. When you take your desires right. and you put them in front of God. Right. You see them in a you new way. You see what's way. there. Yeah. You I mean, really isn't see what's that there. Like,
0: that's like what the role of the imprecatory Psalms is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the like, imprecatory They're like just psalms. like opening up our heart. Like, we're not <laughs> hiding <laughs> anything. And I'm not pretending with you. Dash anymore. their <laughs> teeth against the rock. Yeah. Yeah. No, wow. yeah. We're yeah. Let, let, let the
2: dogs lap up their blood. That's yeah. my favorite.
0: Or <laughs> their pots can feel the heat of the thorns or whatever right, it is. It's right, yeah. like nobody knows what that means, but you feel the energy. Right. Exactly. But that's the honesty piece of it. It's like one of the desert fire. Father right. said, "Teach your mouth to say what's in your heart." And right. Too many of us we get in the presence of God,
2: and we, and we to mute ourselves, person. and it kills yeah.
0: the relationship.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. So I think actually asking God for things is is perfectly fine, mm-hmm. and I think it's a it it's a danger as you move deeper into the life of prayer because because asking God for things that kind of help kind of prayer. That's most people's entry point into prayer, mm. right? Um, but, and so they think of it as something that's to be left behind, yep. right? But I think it's like really important to, to ask God for, for what you want.
0: Okay, so here's like a biblical question on this, biblical theological question. Mm. Uh, I've you have to realize you some...
2: are talking to a Catholic theologian, hey, so I might man. not have on. An hey, we, tr- we <laughs> trust you, we trust
0: <laughs> you. So I've read some commentators who have said, for instance, on the Lord's Prayer... So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, this is God first. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is at heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we're asking God for things. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass, and lead us not to temptation. So what I've heard some commentators say is that what Jesus is doing is he's reversing a typical Jewish order of praying. I think it's like the 18 benedictions or something mm. like that, which actually start with the concrete material needs, mm. and then they sort of climb up from the concrete and the material into the realm of, like, God, God be blessed forever, and uh, Jesus kind of takes that... And turns it on its head. Yeah, what do you... What's your take on I that? Mean, do you, why, why would Jesus do that? What's he up to?
2: Well, I think Jesus is all about God meeting people where they are. Yeah. And I think hmm. for the vast majority of humanity, where they are in their relationship with God is help. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I need this. Yeah. Um, and we might wanna think that, that people, you know, are... Gonna start somewhere else, like thanking God for the beauty of creation or the blessings in their lives. But that doesn't seem to be where most people start. Yeah. And you know, Jesus is his very being is God meeting us where we are. Yeah. And so it seems perfectly appropriate, you know, um, uh, that it would kind of cu- I think it kind of culminates in yeah. that kind of petition. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's that it comes later because it's less important, right? Right. I think it comes comes later because we've we've now learned how to how to ask, mm. right? Oh, wow. it's like we've been oriented to the reality of God, so now
0: we know how we might go about asking for these things, right?
2: Right. I actually heard an amazing uh, discussion on of all places, National Public Radio, on the mm. on the show Fresh Air between the host, Terry Gross, mm-hmm. and the comedian, John Hodgman, about mm. the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and they had both recently seen uh, the stage show that Bruce Springsteen did on Broadway, which he apparently concluded by reciting the Lord's Prayer. And they both... Con- they, they they were struck by the way he would say that petition, he would say, give us this day yeah. our daily bread. Yeah. And that pause, as if it's really a prayer, give us this day, because this day is our daily bread. Mm-hmm. and. <laughs> neither Terry Gross nor John Hodgman consider themselves uh you know believers mm-hmm. in any sense but they were really struck by this mm-hmm. and John Hodgman told this this incredible story about sitting with his mother while she was dying mm. and praying the Lord's prayer with her mm. and how he said you know I don't know what I believe
1: mm.
2: but I know my mother believed it And this was a real... This was the best thing I could do for her, Mm. because she couldn't say those words herself, and I knew she wanted to. Mm. Um, And it was just kind of... It's it's just sort of amazing how... These are people say, oh, about prayer. I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't pray. But, well, yes, you did. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yes, you did. Mm. All right.
1: So you shut the door in your study in the morning. And you go and you get comfortable in your chair, and maybe you've got your coffee there, you've got a Bible there. Have you been watching me? Listen. (laughs) (laughs) So you're there in that moment.
2: How do you get started? Well, I'd like to say, you know, I, I do something really holy, but uh, actually I probably look at Twitter.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just just to get a sense of like the depravity of the world. Just to get a sense of the world's depravity and yeah. how much prayer it needs. But um, I mean one of the things is, as an ordained deacon I committed myself to was praying morning and evening prayer, uh the kind of the official prayer of the church. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do in the morning is I would pray what we call the Office of Readings and um, morning prayer. Uh, and the Office of Readings consists of a fairly long passage from the Bible, mm-hmm. um, uh, three Psalms, uh, and then a passage from typically one of the Church Fathers, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's from some other figure. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a if it's a Saints Day, it might be from the writings of a particular sure. saint. And then morning prayer is three more Psalms, uh, a shorter reading intercessions, um, the Song of Zechariah from, mm-hmm. from the Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so I, I do that, I try and make that kind of the, the form of my prayer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in the intercessions yeah.
1: section, this is where you're bringing the bullet points of what's burdening you right. Right into the presence of God. I'm asking this with a question mark, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and so, yeah. you know, Aunt Linda... Right. And she's got a surgery today. And that thing that I saw on mm. Twitter today that's going on in Ukraine and, right. and Lord, in your mercy, uh, is that what,
2: I'm, what yeah, the intercession is? Yeah, so are? there's sort of set intercessions, which are kind of good, yeah. because they remind you of things that you might not think to pray for. Yeah, sure. uh, But then I, I always, before concluding with the Lord's Prayer, I always have a time when I, you know, I pray for my deceased parents and my deceased mm. in-laws, mm. I pray for my wife, my mm. children... Um, I try and think okay who have I said I'll pray for you to. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. and then I usually add something and all those other people who said I'll pray for you who I can't remember yeah. get them all Lord. <laughs> yeah. Get get them all Lord. Um and uh so that's really kind of like the you know and it it might be half an hour 40 minutes it's mm-hmm. um uh but it kind of combines uh, a kind of a routine of prayer. Yeah. Right? It helps you learn the Psalms really well. Absolutely. Um,
1: a lexicon. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And, uh, but it also takes you through scripture. It gives you exposure to the tradition of the church. Yeah. Um, and I, it takes me a long time to kind of, as I would say, settle into prayer. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's good for me, at least, mm. to have a sort of ritualized form. Yeah. Mm. And I hope by the end of it, I've actually, I'm actually in a position where I can lift my my mind to sure. heart to God. Yeah, for sure. Can I stay there? You, know, yeah. you say
1: I, I pray for my parents. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so there's this understanding in the Catholic Church of the strong communion of saints. Right. That, you know, the right. Church eternal, the Church. You know, the Church militant, the mm-hmm. Church that's triumphant. Right, right. triumphant. Can you help those who are listening who go? Tell me more about that. Are you? Are you? When you're praying for your parents, are you also thanking God for their investment in your life? Are you? Tell me how you're carrying
2: mm-hmm. that into the presence of God. Uh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I probably I think it probably depends on the day, mm-hmm. right? So you know, I have my cup of coffee, mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. by spying on me saw, um, and the actual the the my father died in, uh, this past January, and my. Uh, the The coffee cup I now have was actually one of his that my mother gave to him that has this silly New Yorker cartoon on it of these two dogs sitting in front of a computer and one of them saying to the other, on the internet, no one can tell you're a dog. And I love it because I saw my father for years drinking his coffee out of it. But it also very much captures my mother's sense of humor. And so, you know, so sometimes I'll just like, it might be that I look at that cup of coffee and I just think, I had like such great parents. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean you know we we in the in the catholic tradition think that the vast majority of us die as sort of what i call incomplete works or unfinished mm. business mm. and so i also will pray that that they are continuing to to grow in god's light mm. until they they reach the point where they can truly see god face to face and you know with with no impediments mm. um so uh, you know, that's a good uh, Catholic tradition for praying for the souls in purgatory. Yeah, sure. I don't pretend to know who is and isn't in purgatory, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, I one, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but I don't want to give anybody too much credit. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: That's not a bad rule for living. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about... Um, so I'm listening to you as a Catholic talking about prayer, and what strikes me is the menu of options kind of that you have in front of you that get you kind of moving Into prayer, so you have these paces that you're working through, right? And then the hope is that at the end, you kind of have a, you feel like you have a moment where you've tipped over into what some of the ancients have called like pure prayer, where you're really in contemplation. Okay, so there's that. Yeah. On the other side of it, we have like the evangelical experience, which so much of the way that we teach prayer is like, hey, prayer is just talking to God, you know. And so we take, we give people their Bible, and we throw them into a half hour time slot, and we go, just say whatever comes to mind, and they're. So the challenge that they have is really getting their minds engaged and knowing what to do. So on the evangelical side, there can be a challenge of like, how do I make this meaningful? It strikes me that on the Catholic side, I I wonder if, and maybe just speak to this because you've been... Are you cradle Catholic?
2: Uh, No, I actually became Catholic when I was about 21 years old.
0: Okay, okay. So that's... Several decades. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've under been Catholic a lot longer than I was not. Like. <laughs> so, has there ever been a struggle along the way in terms of going? Okay, this is actually kind of a lot of stuff, and it's actually making it difficult for me to fully lift up mind and heart to God. Boy, if I could just set this down and this down to try to simplify it, you know what I mean? Does that? Do you ever feel that tension?
2: I, I certainly feel struggles and tensions, but I had, I don't feel that one. I'm, okay. I'm actually really grateful that the church says here. Save it gives us. you Help. something. Yeah, say this. Yeah, it's like these people that I meet point, at
0: Lifetime Fitness yeah. that are like they get these apps that give them their full workout and they just love that. It's Blood like I bloody. wouldn't know what to do if I got in here. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and and you know, so I'm I'm actually I'd say genuinely grateful, and and also like not every morning I sit down. Maybe yeah. even most mornings I sit down. I don't feel like praying. Right. Right. You know, I'm not quite sure why. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a good explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Desert Fathers would say it's because there's a demon sitting next me right. me right. to me telling me to. Right, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I'm kind of grateful that the church says, well, do this. Yeah. Yep. And then some of the time, at least, by the time you get to the end of do this, then you kind of want to do your own thing. Sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, yep. something so touched you.
1: What right. are the struggles and tensions? You said, I certainly feel them, but not that. What, what yeah. do you feel
2: uh, in your own tradition? Well, I mean, sometimes just a unwillingness to pray. It's like, well, this is the last thing I want to do this morning. Yeah. You know, how quickly can I get through this? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you really set your mind to it, you can get through it pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and and that's a temptation when you have a set form, sure. right? Rather than yep. say a set period of time, yep. right? You can have the temptation to just rattle through it. Yep. On the other hand, that can that can if that's all you really feel like you can do that day. Take what you have You've get. done something. Yeah. You've done something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, and this I think is true in all traditions, um, you know, distractions of various sorts. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things when you're using a set liturgy, and so basically uh, in the Catholic daily prayer, you go through all 150 Psalms over the course of four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get to know, and some of them you do every day, like you always begin with Psalm 95. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, so they get kind of ingrained in you, yeah, right? Yeah. And I find I can like get through three psalms, and I'll go like I don't even remember which psalms I just said. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't remember what they were about. Mm-hmm. I don't. I was saying the words. Mm-hmm. I was saying the words, but it just did not. It did not penetrate. Um, mm-hmm. And I there's something I like about the idea of having scripture kind of just yeah, almost I mean, you... in your muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, that's I right. But like all good things, there's also. Yeah, a shadow side to it, yeah. right? Which can be just you just rattle it off. Yeah, um, and of course, I think everybody struggles with distractions for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, and that's what usually happens. I'm supposed to be saying a psalm, and I start thinking about my day. And, yes, you know. Uh, but the um, uh, the English Catholic theologian Herbert McCabe, mm. he wrote something that I I really that. I have found really helpful, which he, he says, there's no such things as distractions in prayer. Mm-hmm. They're just other things you need to be praying They're for rather, yes. rather than what you think you're supposed to be praying oh, for. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I take great consolation in that. And often I'll, I'll, if I'm like saying a psalm and I suddenly am thinking about the, like a student I'm having a problem with, Turn I'll just stop. Prayer. I'll just stop and say, you know, just Lord bless the student you know, bless, you know, so-and-so or help me deal with so-and-so, mm-hmm. and then just continue on, Yeah, you know, right? And in some ways that tends to make that distraction go away.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Whereas if you try to will it away, it almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I-, like, I'm I'm gonna, gonna I am going fight. to
2: concentrate on every word. Like You'll just exhaust yourself. Mm-hmm. What do
0: you think... Okay. I mean, you're describing this incredibly rich prayer life. I've been praying for all of my adult life. You have to, And for me, it's like my favorite thing about my life is praying. God, the reality of God and getting lost in God. But I know that so many people just struggle so hard with prayer. What have you learned about that? What why do people why do people struggle to get a meaningful prayer life off the ground? You talked about distraction a little bit, but give us some more reasons that you've seen that it's difficult for people to get traction.
2: Well, I mean, I do think that they can see it like if they're having trouble praying is somehow a sign that they're a bad person. Mm. Right? Um, or that God's not there. And, and I think people can get themselves into kind of psychological traps yep. mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, I know I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to enjoy praying. I'm not enjoying praying. I'm not, mm-hmm. good, at just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not good at it. I'm, you know, I've set aside this half hour. It's, it's the worst half hour of my day. Mm-hmm. And, and it just gets worse, right? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, uh, this kind of spiral.
0: Right. Yeah,
2: um, I actually just uh, in a course I was teaching, we were reading uh, Gregory of Nyssa's uh, catechetical oration. He's got this great description of the fall of Satan. He says it's like it's like a boulder breaking off from a rock face, and mm. then as it falls, it gathers momentum and it gathers more rocks, and soon becomes an avalanche. It's this great vision. This Leave it to of, Gregory. This this uh-huh. avalanche of of fallen yep. angels coming out of heaven, but. I also think it just describes the way in which sin, evil, yeah. negativity can yeah. kind of cascade in our lives. For sure. Um, and I think what's often going on when people find prayer really, really frustrating is they're not giving themselves permission to find it difficult.
0: To have it be difficult. Right? And that
2: just adds momentum to the, the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like an
0: expectations issue. Yes. Yeah. You know, like somebody out there told you that this is supposed to be just amazing all of the time. And so you got in it for five minutes. Right. And you discovered that it was hard and you thought it was broken. But actually, the difficulty is a sign that it's working. The
1: difficulty is the beauty. That is the The yeah, difficulty is the invitation. Yep. The difficulty is the sign that you should keep going. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Once, many, many years ago, uh, I was, you know, probably, probably, almost 40 years ago, I... Uh, did an eight-day silent retreat at a Jesuit retreat house, and the first six and a half days were just catastrophically bad. <laughs> uh, partly the whole Ignatian spirituality of like imagining scenes. I've got a kind of like a pretty active mind, but mm-hmm. for for some reason that did not help me. It was just, and so then I just tried sort of like okay, I'm going to my you have a spiritual director that you meet with daily Mm -hmm. who kind of tries to help you with these struggles. And then I was like, okay, so I'm just going to, like, just try and quiet my mind. That's Mm -hmm. what, that's going to be my goal. But after about six and a half days, I was, like, so frustrated. It was like, God, I took out eight days, over one week of my life to come <laughs> this on this retreat, and you did not bother to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so, to, And I remember I thought, to hell with you. Mm. And the minute I said that, something... Broke. Something broke. Yep. Something turned, something happened. Okay. And then I felt uh-huh. like God was everywhere. I loved okay,
1: him. Okay. Okay. You. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everybody. To hell would you <laughs> yeah. turn the rest of your experience into heaven? So it, uh,
2: <laughs> it, it was. It was really just a, an. Ext- and, but I think I needed those six and, ha- six totally. and a half days yes. of frustration of oh, getting
0: to the breaking point
2: to get to that point.
0: But yeah. isn't it like? Th- I mean, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of how many couples I've talked to over the years where it was like the relationship kept sinking deeper and deeper and deeper, and finally it hit that moment of truth. Where it was like, it feels like it can't get any worse than this. And all of a sudden, now we're being honest with each right. other. Why aren't you showing up the way that I need you to show up? How come you're not keeping up your, your end of the bargain? And something about that moment is like a... It's like a smelling salt or something. Yeah. You break through into yeah. your relationship with each other. Because you're yeah. actually showing
2: up in the truth. Right, right, right. Um, but it can take time. You gotta... It takes time to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know? What... Breaks true prayer. So
1: if true prayer, if saying your prayers is one mode, but the goal is pray without ceasing, live a life of communion with. Mm. What right. breaks the life of true prayer? Uh, maybe let's tailor make it to 21st century, first world West for people like us in the w- lives we're living, commuting, driving around, emails, texts, Twitter, right what breaks true prayer for us today
2: well i do think it takes time mm-hmm. i mean yes you can just sh- you know shoot a little prayer up you know throughout your day but i think to get to that point where you really feel like like god has really become real to you mm-hmm. not just something you think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. not just something that you sort of notionally accept as real i mean and that and that can be important you know uh but where god seems as real to you no god seems more real to you than anything you see in the world Mm -hmm. around you that takes time yeah right i mean it takes a lifetime Mm -hmm. but i mean i feel like the the at least some of the deepest experiences of real prayer i've had has well one was you know it six and a half days into an eight-day retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is I, I spent a month at a Trappist monastery, you know, chanting the Psalms with them and helping them grow their, their mushrooms, which mm-hmm. is how they supported themselves. Uh, they're completely non-Holusian. <laughs> right, <anthropologists>. right, 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 <laughs> right. Um, but uh, uh, but that was like a, a whole month. Mm. And, you know, by the end, I felt like I had,
1: mm.
2: I had renewed my sense of the reality of God.
1: So maybe I'll say it this way, I'll turn the question around what engenders a life of true prayer. Mm. And and as I think about the people that are praying well, most of them are older, most of them have been broken a time or two in 60 years, mm. most of them have had unholy ambition chastened out of them, they don't have that you know, piss and vinegar in them that they right. used to that... They, they've aged, and they've learned, and they've suffered, and, but their purity, it's almost like that's the cauldron that purifies and takes out the the dross. So as you've got your 60... 62. 62, you're 62. Tell us what prayer is like for you today at 62 versus the 32-year-old Fritz Bauerschmidt who was <laughs> pushing.
2: Hmm. Right. Um, well, I do think I'm... Uh... I go a little I go a little bit easier on myself. I, I like I think a lot of people have a tendency to be kinda of hard on myself. But I think I've learned to be a little bit easier on myself. Hmm. Um, and I've learned that, you know, just because you don't feel like anything is happening in prayer doesn't mean that nothing's yeah. happening. Right. Yeah. Um and sometimes there've been there've been a couple of occasions where I might have like because I was traveling or something happened i might go like a couple days without praying you know uh i mean maybe i'm like saying okay god sorry i, I don't have time to pray sure, or mm-hmm. something like that but and then when i find after the appeared like that when i do pray it's like a cool drink of water yeah, yeah. and it's like wow i didn't even realize how much, how much i was missing, missing this um and uh, uh so i i think i'm i'm a little bit easier on myself but i also have come to more of a recognition of how even if it doesn't feel like yeah. something's happening yeah I, you know i'm i'm receiving living water because i know if i'm not doing it i i i become thirsty mm. i want to ask
0: you a question connected to this and if you don't feel equipped to speak to it that's totally fine but there's a there's a public mental health crisis raging in our country and i wonder how much of that is just a result of our prayerlessness our disconnection from god and when you think about when you think about mental health when you think about the cornerstone of a stable life and existence in this world what's the relationship between prayer and that
2: yeah i mean that's a it's a it's a huge question i mean one of the things i think about is i mean so i one of the in, in my perusing of the, of the past in my professional life, you know, I spent a lot of time studying the Middle Ages. And one of the things I think about the Middle Ages is, you know, pretty much everybody was in one way or another um, enmeshed in practices of prayer. Mm-hmm. Whether they thought of themselves as super pious mm-hmm. or even slightly pious, mm-hmm. it was just a kind of a fabric of the world. That's right. You know, the, a, a saint's day would come up, and so you wouldn't have to work. Right, right. Right. Some people say that was the real motivation for the Reformation, was to get rid of all those saints' days, to get those peasants back to work. Yeah. Uh. Um,
1: Right, right, right. Uh, I think there might have been
2: some theological issues. Yeah, yeah. Maybe.
0: Uh, (laughs) One take.
2: (laughs) But, uh, and I think we now live in a world where people don't have... They have so little that seems to connect themselves to something that is transcendent.
0: That's what I'm getting at. It's like with prayer, we're connected to the transcendent, the ultimate meaning of life, but also we're connected to a good end. Right. And we're connected to a sense of purpose. Yeah. What we are for. And it seems to me that if you sever those things, to try to maintain any kind of balance in this world, I don't know how you would do that. Right. Like depression and anxiety and all of that would be... And I know there are chemical reasons for all of that, but I right. think so right. much of the like ennui of our age... Comes from the fact that we have been severed from some of these habits that used to keep us grounded.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think um, it's a it's a great thing for for people who are psychologically troubled in various ways um, or emotionally troubled to uh, seek out therapy. You know? Yeah. Yes. But I I find increasingly that it is presented as is this will fix you. Yes. Right. You know, You. I I cannot tell you how many times I have. Mentioned like something I'm struggling with the, to to somebody who will then say, "Well, have you tried therapy?" Mm-hmm. And I, I want to I, I sort of feel like well, but the most therapy can do for you is kind of get take you on a journey into yourself. Yeah. Right. Or if there's any kind of transcendence of the self, it's it's into the therapist. Right. 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 Uh, but. But there's really nothing about therapy as we modernly practice it that can really take you out of yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what we human beings need. I think that we're made for something greater than ourselves. We're meant to give ourselves up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And therapy's not going to tell you to do that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Therapy and, and might I...
0: help you know what you need to give up, right. but it can't tell you.
2: That you should give it up. <laughs> or who you should give it up to. Or who once you should you de- give it up to. Or once you decide. Right, right. Um, so I, I do think that that we have a kind of a, a therapeutic culture yeah. from which transcendence has been banished. Mm-hmm. And I think therapy without transcendence just mires you further and further in yourself. There's a line. So we're at this prayer conference,
1: and it's 800 people in a room... Uh, largely non-denominational, charismatic, Uh, you know, John writes his seven letters to the seven churches, and uh, this I have against you, and, you know, there's plenty that we could tighten up. Uh, You know, he he would say some things like, hey, I noticed this about you, and I appreciate this about you, and of course we could tighten this up, but you've been in the room the last 24 hours, and the worship, the teaching, you've been teaching, the prayer times the posture of the heart, what are you seeing as you're talking to folks out there who are non-denominational, many of them charismatic? Uh, what do you notice about your sisters and brothers in this stream? What what stands out to you?
2: Well, the thing that keeps going through my head is, you know, even though I teach at a Catholic university, it, it is in many ways like every other institution of higher education. Um, and... The kind of people I spend most of my days with are people for whom the world has become, to use Max Weber's term, disenchanted. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, science, natural processes, pretty much explain everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, I that's that's kind of the water I swim in, mm-hmm. in kind of professional. Mm-hmm. You know, and even people who believe in God they still kind of approach the world as if it's if it's just disenchanted a closed I, dome I, yep. yeah and i've been yep. so, and, and what has really struck me here is like these people live in an enchanted world yeah <laughs> and you know i mean there's i've got i've got sort of my modern side that says oh yeah but science and then i've got this other side that says maybe we were too quick to disenchant the world yeah. <laughs> you know so i mean one of the things is i i feel like People here really actually think prayer does something, mm-hmm. and it does something more than just lower your blood pressure. <laughs> 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 that it actually changes the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I believe mm. notionally. Yeah. But to be with a group of people who actually pray that way, yeah, uh, is is really this quite early. powerful. It's yeah. it's mm. it it's it's a little disorienting. Sure. It's a mm. little. Uh, a little disturbing. It's a little enchanting, you know, yeah. and it's uh, so. That's what's, what has really struck me. That these are people who actually think that when they're praying, they are they are doing something for the world. Wow. Um, so that's that's probably been the 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 main impression yeah. that this has made on me. Wow.